tonight's extra special speaker is. You know, when they say that a good cheese or a good wine is, is one that has had time to mature, isn't it? That it's, it's not, this was the moment when I was going to serve it, but no, no, actually, we'll hold it back and we'll save it for another day. You know, that's exactly what we're getting tonight, because you may recall, Steve was preaching a few weeks ago, and God showed up, as he does, very frequently, and we didn't have time for it. You know why? Allowing it to mature, to be even better. Even, uh, so, I'm really looking forward to a vintage sermon tonight. From the world's one and only, Steve Watson. Tidge mature. Smelly, yes. If I was Gorgonzola or something, then I'd be holy. I'll move on quick, yes. Well, it's good to be back with you. And um, I'm not doing the one that I was going to do two weeks ago. But sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and carry on, don't you? (laughs) Took me ages to make that. It's really important to work smarter, not harder. Is that right? So we need, need to be able to do that. Oh, there we go. The cat's bigger than the baby. Both in the fridge. Ah, what a focus. What a focus. Don't even ask, just pour the coffee. Men, does that remind you of anyone first thing in the morning? Better be careful, Hunter. Hey, you're in luck. My owner's looking for a cat. Great. <laughs> Bring the baby home. Okay, are we, are we nearly there, Howard, do you think? The sound okay? Okay, I've got one or two questions for you. Okay, here's the first question. What month are we in Hebraically? Now, not Gregorian calendar. I know it's March. What month are we in? Adar 2, very good, okay. Now, what significant event do the Jews celebrate this month? Purim, yes. And what does Purim mean? What's the word literally mean? A lot, casting lots, yes. When uh, Haman was uh, going to decide when he would annihilate the Jews, he... He took a lot. Okay, children, if I mention the word Haman, you've just got to boo, okay? Because he was a very, very wicked man. Okay, so what book in the Bible records the story? Esther. Uh, Esther. Okay, very good. So you're getting better at this. So if you want to follow in your Bible... Then please get that out, Esther. Okay, it's next to Ruth. And basically, it was this week. Now, this is why I didn't do what I was going to do two weeks ago, Dave, was because I thought, hey, it's Purim, so why not talk a little bit about that and about the story and bring some things out of that. So it is in the book of Esther. It was... This week, Wednesday, sunset, going into uh, Thursday, the 21st of March. Because, you know, the Jewish day goes from sunset to sunset. Okay, so when the sun went down this evening, that started the next day, and then we're going into the following day. That's how God does it. The evening and the morning is the first day, evening and the morning, second day. And it was the 13th to the 14th of Adar, Adar 2, okay? Now, I guess this scripture is going to be one of the ones that's, you know, uh, very, very popular for speakers from Esther uh, 4.14. 
For if you remain... Com Shall we read it together? Why don't we have our audience participation? Let's read it together. After three. Three. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, obviously, who, who said this? This is another good question. Mordecai, very good. He must have been a prophet. He kind of says, you know what? You need to know this. If you remain silent, if you don't speak up, if you don't do something, God is going to send deliverance from another direction. It's going to come. There's going to be a deliverance because what God brought to birth in his people, he's not going to cast them aside. His plan is perfect. His plan is eternal. And he said, hey, even if this decree that's been made that on this particular day, every Jew would be destroyed, even though that was made a law of the Medes and the Persians, which could, which could never be altered. He said, even though that's, that has actually happened, it's gone into law, he said, God will not allow his people to be destroyed. There will be deliverance from somewhere. Isn't that an amazing word for us today? Amen. We're looking to the government, aren't we? We're, we're looking for some salvation somewhere. Or the EU, you know, Donald Tusk or somebody, somebody. Can somebody do something sensible? You know, please help us out here. It can't be this difficult. And then people have been out with their banners, I believe, today saying, please give the people a vote, another referendum. Have we got any more clue? Hello? What are we going to vote on? Either fear or faith. Give the people a vote, as if the people know what they're doing. If the politicians who are supposed to understand the laws and have been doing all the negotiating, if they don't know what to do, what hope have we got? But hey, deliverance will come. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we're not trusting in politicians? Aren't you glad we're trusting in the Lord? We're making our decrees. We're making our declarations. We're putting our faith not in people, but in God as we move forward. He says, but listen, if you don't speak up, you and your father's house will perish. But then he makes this amazing statement, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You need to know tonight that you have been created for such a time as this. God could have brought you to birth at any time in the last 6,000 years of history, but you need to know he saved the best wine, Dave, the best cheese until last. Amen. He, he saved the cream. He saved the cream. You need to look at yourself or your neighbour if it's easier. At least say to yourself, you're the best that God's got. I don't know whether that fills us with hope or what. But Paul makes an amazing statement when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. He makes this statement that before God founded the earth, you were chosen. And he sang it over us tonight. Yes. Hallelujah. We heard it tonight. Beautiful. Yes. Hallelujah. Isn't that an amazing statement? At least 6,000 years ago, God had already decided you. You would be born when you were born and that you would be wherever you are right now and you are just the right age for your purpose and your destiny to be fulfilled in your life. Isn't that fantastic? Anyway, better not get stuck on that. I'm going to do this story fairly quickly, okay? So I want you to follow me and you can read it with me. Uh, for those of you that are arty, you can look at the pictures as well. 
Those of you who are not quite so creative, you can read it. So, for the Jews, now it's the most fun-filled, action-packed day of the Jewish year. It wasn't so exciting on the first one. <laughs> You've got the picture. We'll see that in a minute. And I love this story. I love this story about Esther because it's got everything. It's got drama. There's murder. There's courage. There's war. There's political intrigue. There's love. We all like a good love story, don't we? There's beauty. You know, there's a pageant. Beautiful ladies. We're surrounded by them, gentlemen, this evening. There's humour. There's the whole deal in this story. And it does commemorate this amazing, uh, miraculous, real salvation from uh, this, uh, this terrible spirit that wants to wipe out the Jewish people. And it's been there from the moment God created that whole nation more than 2,000 years ago. Here's something in a newspaper in 2017, um, the Mail Online, and it uh, was written by someone who had seen the events taking place in uh, London. And it said, this was the banner, young Jewish men get merry as they celebrate the traditional festival of Purim, while younger children dress up in colourful costumes as they take to the streets of London. It says children dressed up in Elizabethan dresses. They look quite terrific, don't they? They look nice, better on the TVs. You see the colours better. Uh, and they were in uh, geishas, popcorn. Wow. They would dress up in anything, pilots, whatever. And it said in the Mail Online that it celebrated this uh, foiling of a plot to massacre the Jewish people um, nearly 2,500 years ago. So the children in London and elsewhere around the world, they dress up to celebrate this whole occasion, which, as I say today, is really exciting. It opens in uh, Esther chapter 1, verse 1. And shall we read it together? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this was the Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. So we've got this Persian Empire in that 4th century that was 127 different lands. Can you see the landmass from in the border of India here, right over Egypt, Libya, right around this area, I guess Ethiopia is somewhere down there, not very good at geography, but then we've got, I suppose, Greece and Turkey and goodness knows where. A huge area was where he was ruling over and he decided he was going to hold a party for all the workers, the princes, all the, the uh, leading people over the different lands for six months. Six months. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Queen saying, we're going to have a bank holiday next year and it's going to be from, you know, January to the end of June. OK, we're having that. I mean, we'd go bankrupt as a nation, wouldn't we? They, they, they had got so much wealth, they could hold a party for six months. Can you believe that? And then at the end of that, he has another party for the city, Shushan, and he has that for seven days. And by the end of it, uh, well, to put it frankly, he was a little bit tipsy. <laughs> he, was, he was merry. He'd had a little bit to drink. He, he hadn't got all of his faculties. Now, you need to be very careful when you drink alcohol. You just have a little bit, okay? Enjoy it. Enjoy a small amount. But he'd had a little bit too much. And he decides he wants to show off the Queen. Because, like my wife, the Queen is very beautiful. <laughs> Highly intelligent. <laughs> generous. Kind. Radiant, and he thought, and he thought, he thought, let's bring her out and show her off because he'd been showing off all of his wealth. Uh, have you read it? 
you're reading it in the in your Bible there. It was showing off. This was why he had this party and everything. It was showing off. This is all the wealth that we've got. Look at all this stuff. Then the most beautiful of his assets was obviously Vashti. So he shows. But she wouldn't come. This was the problem. She was having a party of her own. She'd got a mate's round. She was having a girly night. And they were all enjoying themselves, having a party, letting their hair down. And she says, I ain't coming. And so the eunuch goes back and says to the king, uh, uh, we've got a bit of a problem. Problem at Houston. She says, I'm not coming. So he says, well, we better get the boys together here and have a bit of a discussion. So they have a chat. And they say, what on earth are we going to do? So somebody says, you work on a minute here now. We better deal with this. Because if the rest of the women in the kingdom hear that the queens said no to a husband, all the other wives are going to disobey their husbands. So they say, we can't have this. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to come down heavy. You really are going to have to come like that. So, in chapter 1, verse 22, look, it says, shall we read it together? <laughs> then he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province in its own script, to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his own house. <laughs> we like that, fellas, don't we? There's only one problem with that, fellas. You know, like I do, we only have two choices. We neither can be right or happy. Is that right? <laughs> have you got the picture? So, so, so they decide, that's it, we're going to put her out. Now, it doesn't really tell you what they did to her, but anyway, she was dethroned. And they decide then they're going to have a beauty competition. So they send out to all 127 provinces. They say, OK, we're going to have Miss Shushan and uh, <laughs> Miss Persia or whatever it was. And, you know, if, if you think you're beautiful, sign up. <laughs> so they did... So they did, and that's where Esther comes on the scene, you see. Okay, but let's not run ahead of ourselves, because I want to tell you a tale of two queens, because this is serious, okay? This is serious now. Because Vashti was beautiful. She was, she was beautiful. She loved to entertain, yes? However, she was supposed to represent the king. And she was supposed to obey him. They've took that out of the wedding vase these days, haven't they? <laughs> they've, they've shoved a load of other stuff in there. You know what I mean? If he asks me the right things, then I'll say yes. If I don't like what he's asking me, then it's no. We don't kind of use obey, do we, these days? What would you, what do you, would you like to put in there? Don't they now? You can write your own script, can't you? Is that right? Love, honour and obey. It might be old-fashioned, but you see, it's biblical, isn't it? Is it? And then husbands, what are you supposed to do? Love your wives just like Christ loves the church. And gave himself for us. Exactly, Jenny. Exactly. When you love your wives just like Jesus did, they'll roll over and obey you every time, gentlemen. They will. Anyway, we'll swiftly move on. <laughs> but obviously, she refused. She got a very bad heart, naughty lady. She chose to please herself, you see, because her beauty was only skin deep. She was beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, oh, there was naughtiness. There was rebellion and all sorts of naughty stuff. Now, you're not like that. I know that. My wife's very obedient. <laughs> Father, forgive me. Um, whereas, on the other hand, es Esther, this is the other queen now, Esther. Es 
Esther, do you remember? She went through a year's worth of sanctification. Do you remember this? Bathing in milk, I don't know, and all sorts of things. All these nice spices. So she was well pickled by the time she came to the end of the 12 months. She had cleansing, beautification. Now, you know that you've been through a few things, haven't you, as a believer? They've not been particularly nice. I should imagine what she went through was a whole lot nicer than some of the stuff we've been through. But we have been sanctified. Or we are being sanctified. When the Lord puts his finger on things, we need to just say, yes, sir. Amen. And get rid of it. We need to be cleansed. He wants us to be beautified. No matter how old we are, how many wrinkles we've got. The beauty is supposed to be on the inside, is that right? What did Paul say though? The outward man perish, the inward man is being what? Renewed day by day. So we're looking good on the inside, aren't we? Yes, we're all looking really youthful on the inside. We're doing good. We're allowing the Lord to change us, is that right? Now I want you to notice some things about her and I want you to apply some of these things. She was eager to learn the palace protocol. She wanted to learn what it meant to please the king. Now, she had a mentor. We've mentioned his name, Mordecai. He was the mentor. He was the one that taught her. He was the one that was given her counsel, advice. But there were also other people as well. There was a eunuch. Now, you know a eunuch is a man who's cut out for the job. And he, <laughs> he was there to help the ladies. They had several of their eunuchs. And... Esther, you see, the other, the other beauty competitors, they, they decided, well, you know, I like this colour frock, uh, you know, I like Gucci, I like, the, I like Versace, you see, I like uh, Primark, I, I like... <laughs> whatever. You see, however, Esther, I want you to get this now, in the midst of all the humour, I want you to get this, Esther wanted to know what did the king like. It didn't matter what she might want to wear, what fashion house she wanted to follow, what does the king... So she had a word with Haggai, the the eunuch, and she said, what is it that the king will really like on me? What colour is his favourite? What is his style? Have you got the idea, ladies, for your husbands? It's not what you want. It's what does he like? See, Jenny keeps saying to me, you know, I much preferred my hair long. I said, sweetheart, it looks much better. Short. It knocks your ears off you. Do you want to go back to looking old again? (laughs) Or do you want to stay young? See, what pleases, what pleases. Now, here's the thing. What pleases him? What pleases him? Because the sad thing is that as Christians, we want to please ourselves, don't we? It's, well, you know, I don't like this, I don't like that about church. I, I, I don't like this about this person, whatever it is. It isn't about you, it's about him. What does he want? What does he want in our lives? She chose to please the king, and when the crunch came, she didn't come to the king for herself. She didn't go towards him and wait for that scepter to say, you know, I could really do with something nice. She went on behalf of her people. She didn't go for herself. She was not selfish like Vashti. She came for other people. Esther was this Jewish girl that found favour in the eyes of of those that were around her, the eunuchs uh, and others that knew her. And when she was brought before the king, she found favour in his eyes. Even though she refused to divulge her nationality, she kept that a secret. Now, here we've got two characters in the story. We've got Haman, wicked, wicked Haman. He's a nasty guy. Let me tell you, there have been a lot of Haman's down through history. Hasn't there, Jim? 
There's been lots of those. There's been lots of those naughty people, beginning with H. There's been a lot of those down the years, hasn't there? That have tried to wipe out the Jewish people. And we've also got Mordecai. He's a good guy. We like him. Now, here was the deal. Whilst this stuff was going on, Haman, he was appointed prime minister, so he was really elevated uh, in the empire. And if you saw him out and about round town, what you were supposed to do by law was to bow down and kiss the floor and honour him. However, Mordecai would not do that because he only honoured God. And so when he wouldn't do that, he was incensed. And so he thought, I know what I'm going to do. We'll have the king make a decree to wipe out not just Mordecai, but the whole of the Jews. And he basically said, when I've got the wealth of the Jews, I can then give some of that to the king And so he bribed the king, listen, let's get the wealth that these people have got and then you can have that wealth. And so he chose a date by a lottery and that's where this word Purim comes from. And and it was on the 13th of Adar when that took place. So they set the date. Mordecai then went and gathered all the Jews together and he began to convince them that they should repent, they should fast, they should pray, so that when the opportunity came, God would begin to move on their behalf and begin to make another decree. Do you remember that I said the decree of the Medes and the Persians, when that went into law, you could not revoke it? And um, we know with Brexit that they're talking about trying to revoke Article 50 to try and annul that. Well, if that was the means of the Persians, you could never do that. And so Esther takes an opportunity to invite the king and the other guy for a feast. (laughs) And so they have a feast and uh, she cooks them a nice meal. And at the feast, the king offers her anything she wanted up to half of his kingdom And instead of asking for anything in particular, she said, I'd like you to come back for another meal. So Haman goes away, feeling, you know, this is great. It's in Esther 5, verse 9. Can you see that? Is that readable? Shall I read it to you? It says, Haman went out that day joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, the old fella now with the beard, that's that's just another picture of him. He's changed a bit from some of the other ones. It's a different graphic. Uh, He didn't stand or tremble before him, and therefore Hamer was filled with indignation against Mordecai. So he was happy he was going back for another feast, but it was really getting to him that Mordecai wouldn't honour him when he saw him. So at this particular next feast... Uh, Shall we read this together? Esther 5, 12 and 13. Let's read this. Moreover, Haman said, Besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Read this. Then his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made fifty cubits high, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. How amazing. Now, here we go. Esther 6, 1 to 3, it says, On that night the king could not sleep, and he ordered that the book of memorable deeds, the chronicles, be brought, and they were read before the king. Now, this actually reminds me of something in a church bulletin. 
It said this, Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Nelson's sermons. <laughs> oh dear, must be boring. Okay. Anything just to send you off to sleep. And so, now nobody's sleeping here, are they? If anybody next to you is sleeping, just dig them in the ribs. So, okay, we, are we ready? And it was found written there how Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's attendants who guarded the door, who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, what honour or distinction has been given Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who ministered to him said, Nothing has been done for him. So then, let's read this. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just come into the outer court of the king's palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. And the king's servants said to him, Behold, Haman is standing in the court, and the king said, Let him come in. The king then asked Haman, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honour? Now you've got to imagine the pride of this man. You've got to imagine now, some, not like us. Not like us. We are humble people. We're full of humility. We wouldn't think like this. But who did he think the king was talking about? Himself. Oh, himself. So what would the king do? So he said, well, shall we read it? For the man whom the king delights to honour, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honour. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honour. Woo, isn't it lovely? This is when we're getting, yes, come on now. There is justice. So shall we read it? Yeah. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse, as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew, who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. Amen. And then it says, Haman hastened to his house, Mourning and having his head covered. <laughs> you know, you can imagine the thoughts that ran through his mind, can't you? What on earth did I say all that for? I thought he was talking about me. There's nobody more important than me in this land. And the tables are turned. However, he was going to go to the next feast, and he went to the next feast. And again, the king offers Esther whatever she wants, up to half of his kingdom. And this is the point where Mordecai had said to her, we want you now to tell uh, the king exactly who you are. You need to let him know that you're Jewish. And so she started saying, shall we read it together? For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he? who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing. And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Ooh. Yeah. 
nasty man. And so, are we ready? The king was angry and walked out into the palace garden. And when he walked back in, the terrified Haman was begging for mercy and was lying across the couch where Esther was seated. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I am in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Now Harbiner, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it. Has the devil been pressing your buttons? Have you heard of the term hoisted by your own platard? It says in scripture, doesn't it? I think David prayed it. God, when my enemy digs a ditch for me, may he fall in it himself when he digs a pit. Well, they made the gallows and who got hung on the gallows? Let me tell you, when the devil presses you, turn it over to God and let him turn the tables on you. In Romans 8, it says that whatever has been sent as evil towards you, God is able to turn it around for good. Is that right? God is able to turn around whatever the enemy is sent against you. God will turn it around for your good. He will hang himself. He will always push too far so that there can be a complete turnaround and God can come in powerfully on our behalf. He was hung. So what does it say? They hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, then the king's wrath subsided. So Haman was hanged, and Mordecai was appointed prime minister in his stead, and a new decree was issued, granting the Jews the right to defend themselves against their enemies. And so on the 13th of Adar, the Jews mobilised and killed many of their enemies. You see, although that decree that had already been made by the king that on the the 14th of Adar, the Jews would be annihilated, a new decree was made and on the day before, the Jews were able to go and destroy their enemies. Has God given us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And does it not say nothing will be able to stand against us? No weapon that's fashioned against us, it said, will prosper. Every tongue that's been arrayed against us in judgment, we can condemn those things. No curse can alight without a cause. If we are right before the Lord, we can stand against every decree that the enemy tries to make against us, every hex, every curse. If there is a Freemason in your uh, family line, you can break the curse over your life that they took when they went into Freemasonry. Anyone that's been involved in the occult, when it comes to you, now that you're a child of God, you can break the curse because the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the blood of animals or even human beings. The blood of Jesus is all-powerful. And if you're watching today and you've been caught up in witchcraft or you've been caught up in Freemasonry, you have an answer through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be set free from every curse, every sickness, every disease. Hallelujah, we can turn the tables on the enemy. And so they were able to destroy their enemies before they were able to destroy them. Hallelujah. Isn't that a good way of going about it? Do to them before they do to you. 
Do unto others before they do it to you. <laughs> do you remember that saying? Bless and do not curse. Heap coals of head. Uh, uh, Heap coals on their head, isn't it? That's it. So, hey, and then here we go as well, look. The king gave Queen Esther the house of Haman. All the treasures of darkness have been laid up for who? The righteous. The wicked might be gathering it now. The drug dealers, the, um, those that are selling people into slavery and all the other horrible stuff that goes along with that. There are all kinds of scams that have been going on, robbing people of millions. They're gathering up the finances for the righteous. For the righteous. The queen was given the house of Haman. Do you remember when she had the opportunity, she said, hey, if I go and approach the king without him asking and inviting me in, I could die. That's why... In Esther 4.14, Mordecai says to her, hey, listen, if you keep quiet at this point, this is it. God's going to come with another plan, but you will perish. And that was because of that. But she had the courage and the boldness to say, I am going to go. I'm going to press into that place. What a call for us as intercessors. What a call for us to go into that place of intercession, to stand between a holy God and an unrighteous world and plead the cause of those that do not know what they're doing and stand in that place of intercession to bring those people back to God. And so the queen was given the house of Haman and the job that Haman was doing was given to Mordecai. He became the top man under the king. Hallelujah. Mordecai came before the king for Esther had told how he was related to her. And it says, So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, gave it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Keep it in the family. Hallelujah. We're the family of God. God's wanting to bless us. Can you see the prophetic significance of this story? It reminds you a little bit of the prodigal son, doesn't it? Who went away from his father, left his father, squandered the wealth that had been given to him. But when he came to himself and he came back to his father, even though he smelt very mature, Dave, (laughs) because he'd been working with the pigs. And I know what that smells like. When I was 13... I went to work on a pig farm. After school, every night, I'd go and clean the pigs out. And I used to fold my jeans up, put them in the cupboard, and my Wellington boots used to go in the shed. I know what it smells like when you've worked with the pigs. And he even ate the pig food. Now, I didn't eat the pig food. (laughs) Can you imagine what this young man smelt like when he got back to Dad? But no matter what mess we can get ourselves in, the father immediately threw the best robe around him. He put the signet ring on his fingers, shoes on his feet. He clothed him and he held a banquet for him. That is the love of God. That is the forgiveness of the father to everyone that will come to him. The signet ring speaks of authority. When you show anyone of influence the signet ring of the father of the family, they know what stands behind that and you would have been able to get anything that you wanted from the local store, from whoever it was. They would see the ring and they say, yes, I know that your father will stand good for this. Listen, we've been given a ring. You might not see it, But you have it. In fact, your name, it says, is written on his hand. When the enemy comes, Jesus is just able to show your name on his hand and the blood that is on the altar in heaven and say, you cannot touch this one. 
as we stand in our authority and we show who we are, then the enemy cannot touch us. Do you remember the story of Job? It says Satan came and he said, God, I cannot get to him. You've put a hedge around about him, a protection. God has protected us. We've got our angel. He's not weak. He's not puny. And he wants to be employed doing things with us. You've gone a bit quiet. In Hebrews, doesn't it say that they are there because they are given to us because we have received salvation. They're working on our behalf. We need to employ them. God is incredible. So I want to summarise by just saying in this month of Adar 2, our true identity, just like in the end, uh, Esther showed her who, who she was, her true identity. This is a month to show our true identity. The real us needs to come forth this month and stay forth. Amen? Don't wish you're somebody else. If only I had got this, if only I'd got this qualification, if only I had the other thing, whatever it is, you know, if only I'd got a good voice, if only I could do this or that. Listen, be yourself. If you're not going to be you, who is going to be you? God doesn't need another me. We need to be who we are. Not just this month, but why not make the decision now in Adar 2, in 5779, I am going to be all that God's called me to be. I'm not going to hide any longer under a false identity. Ooh. I'm not going to struggle with, you know, a poor me attitude, an insecure attitude. I'm not going to live in fear any longer. I'm not going to be miserable any longer. I'm not going to complain any longer. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be beautiful. I know, it takes a bit more faith maybe. It's a month to overturn fear and anxiety. Amen, we're breaking that. We're going to stand together and we're going to break worry and anxiety. We're going to break out of depression and despair into faith. Isn't it amazing how more and more mental illness issues are coming forwards and the services can't cope with the number of people that, that are depressed and go through depression. We should be the ones that are the healed who can help so many other people. It's time to overcome strongholds of anger, pride, unforgiveness, insecurity, envy. We need to be anointed to overcome our enemies and for our fear to laugh. Amen? It's a time for our fear to laugh. So let's stand together. And, it, and if anything has spoken to you through this, let's just deal with that right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, we, we ask that this time of the month in this year, Father, we would no longer hide behind a mask. We would no longer try and have a false identity and and just try and put on a show. Lord, we want to be who you've created us to be. And Father, if there is fear, if, Father, there is shame or guilt that that has been a part of us for a long time and, and we just don't know how to be ourselves, Lord, we say right now, we are open to change. We are open, Father, to let you minister to us right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to be who you've created to be. We no longer want to hide behind this false image. Father, we, we break allegiance with fear right now in Jesus' name. We break allegiance with anxiety, with shame and guilt. We know Jesus... You took all of that on the cross for us. And so we give you every bit of guilt, every bit of shame, the fear, the anxiety, the insecurities, God. We turn that over to you right now. 
Lord, we get rid of anger. We break allegiance with it. We say, Father, would you begin to bring a new love and compassion, a heart, Father, within the inside of us, that, Father, anger would no longer be a part of our makeup and our character, Lord. We break with pride. Father, we want that humility of heart. Father, that we wouldn't think more highly of ourselves. But, Lord, by the same token, we want to rise up to the fullness of who you've created it to be. Father, we don't want the little me syndrome right now. Who am I? I'm nothing. Lord, we break allegiance with that right now. We declare, Father, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Lord, we say right now that you've made us to be, Father, all that you've created us to be. And Lord, we're going to fulfil that in Jesus' name. And Lord, we say, turn our fear to laughter right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we're going to allow that joy to arise on the inside of us. In Jesus' name. Come on, just let that joy arise on the inside of you. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We love you. We honour you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those that are watching right now. We ask, Lord, that you would come into their homes right now, wherever they are. Father, we pray that your joy, your peace, Father, your satisfaction would come. Listen, if you've never reached out to Jesus Christ for salvation, you need to know that no matter what you've done, you've never gone too far for the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you, to save you and to set you on a new foundation and a new journey. Reach out to God today. Just invite him into your life. Just say these words, God, forgive me. I turn to you right now. Forgive me for my sin. Lord, give me a new heart. I receive your forgiveness right now. And I receive that free gift of salvation. Jesus, I turn my life over to you. Come and make me anew.